Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast for the recently deceased. I'm Nate Roberts. I'm Rodney Godek. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing good, and um, I'm pretty excited about this episode. It is uh, episode 26, and also the final episode, the season finale of season one. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, the little, we'll have to make a, a little placard for the end of the stream uh, with like Finn, because I always loved, uh, it was always the excitement of how is this video game going to end the what I just experienced or what I just did. So some would just be like the end. Some would write Finn, and I was like, I don't get that. I don't know. I guess it's it's not the word finish or final. I yeah. just you just assume like, oh, I guess that's what you write. It's yeah. Latin or whatever. I like I like, is I like it Latin. Finn. I, th- I think Finn is good, but I don't know. No, I don't know. Speaking um, of Finn, Finny. <laughs> F- Finny is one of the main characters yeah, of, of one of our films. Of one of our films tonight. Um, before we get into all that. Uh, Real quick, uh, we're just taking off uh, July, so we'll be back in August. Um, I know it's very sad news, um, but season two, we got some big stuff in store, new format, hopefully a bunch of shorts, short, quick, spoiler-free reviews, um, maybe some more audiobook work, uh, more t-shirts. Uh, the mm-hmm. website will definitely launch um, by season two, so... Plenty of ways to stay in contact and, um, you know, just check in on the pod and see what we're up to. Yeah, I think that it'll be a good little respite. I've got a baby on the way, um, and so I'll have some time, uh, bonding time with her, and uh, that'll be good. And But all the while, I'll still be, like, brooding and thinking about this stuff and watching movies with she's sleeping, which will be great, because it's like, well, you can't do anything. you got to just sit and hold your baby and rock her, and I'll just be watching some fucked up shit, and hopefully it won't traumatize her for life. Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, also, before we get into tonight's episode, which is shaping up to be a great episode, uh, Crimes of the Future and the Black Phone, but before we get into it, I have to talk about uh, something I, I did this week because um, because Jurassic Park is such a big part of my life. The first Jurassic Park film, the novel, uh, even the second novel, um, Michael Crichton definitely up there was one of my favorite uh, contemporaries. Uh, <laughs> so I saw Dominion. Now. Mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Um, yeah. One, it was very bad. Very bad movie. Two, I very much enjoyed um, over 60%, maybe 70% of it. Um, I th- I feel like every time Ellie Sattler and Malcolm were on the screen, I was in, I was in heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Um, most of the Chris Pratt and Bryce, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, is that who that is? Yeah. Uh, stuff and their their B plot was meh uh, compared to the A plot. Um, so I've been seeing a lot of ranking of the six movies, and so that's all I wanted to do. We don't have to get into Dominion. Oh, I excellent. just wanted to okay. I just wanted to rank the six and tell everybody that if theirs is different than mine, they're wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's, yeah, okay, let's hear it. All right. So, in sixth place, 
Oh, you're starting from the bottom. Okay. Yes, in sixth place, uh, Jurassic World 2. In fifth place, Jurassic Park 3. In third slash fourth place, it is a two, it's a two-way tie of Jurassic Park 2 and Jurassic World 3. Second place, Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. First place, Jurassic Park. Um, sometimes I think, I think Dominion is a little... That. Yeah, right? I'm in like, line with that for the most part because like, whenever you say 3 slash 4 with uh, Lost World and Fallen Kingdom... Uh, there's not a lot that separates some of these movies. I think that inherently Lost World has to be beneath it four more often than ever three because of how bad some of the CG is and because Julianne Moore sucks a fat one in that movie. Yeah, she's two, so bad in so, this movie. So, yeah, so two and so Vince two, Vaughn. Oh yeah, so two Just, two it, two falls to four because it's bad, but yeah. then three is also not good. <laughs> no, yeah, three is three is bad. Uh, it's just, it's neater because of the Spinosaurus and some of the events that happen more, the aviary yeah. scenes, Salad more fingers. excitement. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, yeah, I've really enjoyed Dominion. I think that that's a fair list. And I think that once you get past Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, that they start to really muddle and you, they are somewhat interchangeable. I think people are out of their mind for calling it the worst of the series. Oh, it's definitely not even close to the worst of the series. No. And and as a finale, as long as we don't see another movie, or or sure, make the next one the first of another trilogy if you're gonna keep going. Sure. Um, don't don't make a Jurassic World four, please God. Um, no. Right. Uh, no. Yeah. It was a it was a nice uh, you know capstone to to the six movies, like getting yeah. Sattler to come back, getting Grant. Well, and what I think worked was that for the most part, all of their um, the purpose of them being reintroduced into this universe was logical. It wasn't completely insane. It was a little bit silly that this insane tech company had all these goddamn moles in it, (laughs) like where, you know, Malcolm is in there like. You're not questionable. This guy who was like on Capitol Hill advocating (laughs) for why all these people are insane. You know, he's like you're one of your guys. So, like, that was a bit silly, but him being there and then Grant and Ellie coming back for their re- – it all was logical yeah. to me because right, she's right. researching the crop I, stuff. And I also love Dodgson coming back from Jurassic Park oh! 1 to be the villain. Like, Dodgson! We got Dodgson, Dodgson here! <laughs> I see, was nobody, like, oh! See, Dodgson! Like, see, nobody, nobody cares. cares. Nobody cares. In the, in the book, um, Dodgson is, like, a six-foot-tall jacked lawyer – who uh, who power boats to the side of the island to meet Nedry in the middle of the island to make sure he he gets the job done. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, the book is uh, way yeah, different. But anyway, cool. I didn't want to I didn't want to go off on a Jurassic Park tangent. I just wanted to get my list out there because um, no way, no way was anything worse than Jurassic World two. Yeah, I mean, there's Xenosaurus <laughs> and T-Rex teaming up, spoiler alert, uh, for final showdown with uh, Giganotosaurus. Like, it's insane. It was oh, yeah. really cool. Yeah. All right. I believe we're starting with Crimes of the Future. 
the latest future, from future future the latest from david cronenberg uh did you want to intro this one rod sure i'll intro this one all right humans adapt to a synthetic environment with new transformations and mutations with his partner caprice saul tensor celebrity performance artist publicly showcases the metamorphosis of his organs in avant-garde performances Ooh, there's a lot of big words in that fucking one yeah yeah they they really want you to know not to watch this movie unless you know the, these words can you define all of these words are you do you have uh, more than uh is it t- is technically uh is college a secondary education I would I would call it that. I, I can't recall because like, I sometimes picture secondary education as high school, but I don't think that's what it is technically. Mm. Uh, so technically three times now. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, I believe that the words usage here is a bit uh, lofty, and necessarily so. I think that this movie speaks or is conversing kind of up here, you know, and it really doesn't give a shit. You're gonna have to meet it here. It's not going to come down to your level for the most part and try to explain things overtly. Uh, it It's intelligent. He makes his films. Cronenberg is an auteur. Uh, he's going to present what he presents. You know? Yeah. Well, I would start off by saying that uh, if you watch a show, uh, my favorite or my one of my least favorite things about films today is the writer, director, uh, whomever treating the audience like they're like they're morons and spelling it out for you and literally just handing you uh all the all the depth and all the meaning that it was you know probably so well written at some point but you know the producer was like i don't know what that means but you know zoom in on the phones so that the audience knows that the phone is gonna save them later uh, <laughs> yeah, well, and I think a lot of that comes from, like, you know, you'll get the mixed messages or crossed uh, signals where it's like someone can write a very good script and all of that is in there and layered because of the way that it's all designed. But then a different studio or a different director is going to come in and feel the need to really make sure we stress this part. And the writer's like, no, I fucking already did that work. Yeah. Just. <laughs> just, yeah. just do what i did on the page and that and unfortunately yeah. the writers are sometimes like left out of the room they're not always a part of that conversation this is where someone like cronenberg who is written and is directing the feature can do it exactly how they intended yeah. uh right. and it's, yeah. a, it's a vision it's an experience yeah nothing against writers who just write nothing against directors who just direct but when i see that the writer and the director are the same person in the credits yeah i get excited Right. I'm like, yeah, oh, because you have so much be confidence that yeah. they're going to make that work that they yeah. wanted, that they intended. Yeah. It, even if it's a bad movie, like they did what they wanted. Like, mm-hmm. you know. So Cronenberg uh, in general, uh, I haven't seen his whole body of work, to be honest. Well, uh, what do you got? The ones you got that everyone the, knows. The Fly. There's a shit ton. Crash. Um, Existence was the most Existence. recent last uh, one. Really? That's an old Well, uh, th- that's like in this line of body oh, horror type sure. film. Did he do... Um, did he do uh, Scanners? Is that yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Scanners, right. Uh, Dead Ringers. Um, but I think, yeah, those are not, mostly Not the... Slither, but the other one. Slip Shivers. Shivers was the right, right, right. Was the yeah, okay. So, so you got the wormy alien that jumps into your mouth. He was the first one to do it with shivers. Then in the 80s, you had 
uh, the Night of the Creeps, and then mm-hmm. uh, most recently you had Slither starring um, my man Nathan Fillion, and right. uh, Slither is the best of the three, but <laughs> that's just because of the cast. Sure. So uh, he's obviously known for body horror and pushing the envelope as far as what's acceptable also you know he's done other non-horror related films uh what am i thinking of um uh eastern uh, not eastern um, eastern promises yes yes, yes with yes, yes. with vigo mortensen so right yes. and so there certain imagery that people find revolting or shocking or inappropriate like trigger warning type stuff is he's diving headfirst into that kind of subject matter and just he's going to put it on the screen because he wants to put you in that headspace where you're you know you're uncomfortable or you're caught off guard or where you're physically feeling the impact of what's happening on screen and being in that state of mind is very important with how you interpret the the film or the story that's in the film and i think that crimes does it does this mag magnificently where uh, it sets the tone and you kind of live within this ick and all of the themes in the movie are so much more poignant because of how it's done. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, visually uh, it's excellent. Uh, you know, it's David Cronenberg is, he's a veteran. Um, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to look <clears throat> bad. It's not going to look like shit. He definitely does yeah. an excellent job setting the scene, um, making you really feel like you're there. Um, and then uh, the cast, um, Vigo, uh, Leia, and uh, Kristen Stewart, actually. Um, and she was fantastic. Like, she surprised me the most, I think. Yeah, uh, I was like... glad that she wasn't as uh, main character as the trailers or the original uh, flirtings of the movie led me to believe because all I remember hearing is like Bigo Mortensen, Kristen Stewart, even, you know, Leah Sidu, uh, Sidu, I don't even think was listed on a lot of the first blurbs I was hearing about it. I just remember seeing Vigo, Kristen Stewart. And I was like, she's kind of polarizing and weird as shit. I wonder what this is going to be about. And then whenever you start hearing the buzz about people walking out of the movie when it's premiering, uh, but then also yeah. getting a standing ovation at the premiere I think that was in Cannes. I could be wrong. I right. think it was in Cannes. Uh, so I was like concerned. Maybe she's going to be too forefront because of how she's, uh, you know, she's in Twilight. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, but she's come, she's come, a, lo- she's she come was, a long way. And she yes. was. I agree with you, though. She was excellent in the film. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. She made me feel some weird things when she was on mm-hmm. screen she only had a couple scenes but she did an excellent excellent job at at being that character and we can obviously get into that character a little more later um, yeah and i think that the way she behaves in general as like a regular human being i think is very similar to her to character that character <laughs> yeah like that kind of like uh, mousy uh weirdness yeah, she uh, just wants to be inside people speaking in a weird way it was very cool but <laughs> There's a lot of people that are in the everyone in the whole cast is is a great um, ensemble. So the other aspect you mentioned the look of it, the the cast being wonderful. 
Howard Shore does the score in this film. Yeah. And it's wonderful. Yeah. I think that that's where I first, as soon as I turned it on, like I knew that this was going to be an experience, but as soon as the intro starts to roll with like the weird tattoo organic shapes, like you can't really see, it's just kind of red fleshy colors with black ink on them, all kinds of different nondescript uh, markings, like hieroglyphs almost, or lines, you, nothing discernible really. Uh, and the soundtrack just starts with the score that Howard Shore has worked on. It set the mood for me and something about it just right away, like it was sort of electronic and synth, but it was classical as well. Techno in there. Like yeah. it just, it set the tone to uh, that. I knew like, I just had a good feeling like this movie's going to vibe with me in a way that I'm going to get into a headspace because of the soundtrack and it's going to help for me to interpret and to experience the movie. And I got really pumped whenever that first started. So Howard Shore, I, I listened to the soundtrack today while I was working on other shit before we started. Nice. It was, nice. It was awesome. All right. So before we get into the big discussion, we're going to do some like overall thoughts and just give you our, uh, our ratings here. Um, I'll go first since, uh, since Rod liked this movie a little bit more than I did. Um, overall, um, very good movie. Definitely recommend, definitely watch it, especially if you're into body horror, if you're into Cronenberg, this definitely, um, fits right in, um, with his body of work. Ha 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 ha. Okay. Um, (laughs) um, so I think this movie tells a great story. Um, I think it lacks in, um, in plot as in it doesn't it doesn't follow a standard uh structure of story um it kind of it, almost every scene feels like exposition um you, and, and it's up to you as an audience member to take the information and do what you will with it um which is fine you know it's it's a choice um i just would have liked you know to I like to be told a story. Uh, I don't want, like to have to find the story. Um, that being said, as far as like pulling the story out of the art goes, it wasn't hard, uh, so it's not like super heady or complex. Um, and the themes were fantastic, and it te- and it is it is social commentary, and it is very poignant to like today's society and a potential. You know, it's a sci-fi future, but it's a believable sci-fi future. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, giving that uh, excellent performances uh, from Vigo, Leia, and Kristen, um, I had to wrap it up in a 7 out of 10. Excellent. It's a very good score. Uh, clearly, we're a bit more strict with our 10s and 9s. That's a very, very... It's very rare. I think that we're both, we don't suffer from great inflation, so to speak. So a seven is an excellent score. It uh, is an excellent score. I don't think I've given a movie a 10. And I, I think I've got like three or four nines since we started. I mean, this. I think that everyone's <laughs> supposed to be, have given Godfather a 10. Uh, true story. I haven't seen that shit. So. <laughs> and Godfather 2 was better. Right. right. I did, Yeah. I, that I believe is what people say. Uh, I'll watch them at some point. 
if everyone you know contributes to a patreon uh i'll watch and give you my thoughts <laughs> so anyway um yes i agree on pretty much entirely with what you had said about the film i think that the issues that it does have if you were to identify concerns is that yeah the we had kind of talked briefly about it before we started but the trajectory of the of the film is less concerned with an interesting story or plot that's happening in this universe and more interested in just fleshing out and describing and exploring the universe that these characters exist in. And for me, it's not, it doesn't uh, deter me from enjoying it as much. I was content with it because of how much it just let me think about the world that they're living in and to, you know, to, for us to pontificate on how to interpret and to what it would be like to live in there. And I've found myself since I've seen it just thinking about it and, and chewing on it and just, man, what would that be like? Or that's so messed up and that they're doing this now for gratification because they can't experience um, pain the same kind of way. So they seek these other outlets for it. And I want to get into all of that in, in our deeper conversation as we as we talk about the events that unfold. I love how well executed getting into the environment is done here because the the, the acts are set up to kind of describe the, the sort of story or plot that's there. But all the other different things when you mentioned like each scene is exposition. I like all the touches or the different nuances that happen. Uh, and for me, as a as an artist, the commentary that they're making that this movie more or less centers around avant-garde performance artists, I couldn't help but feel like it was speaking more intently toward me because I was so familiar with what that is like. You know, this the pretentious nature of that environment, all the little side comments that happen at the the scene with the ear man were hilarious to me oh yeah um, yeah that was when funny everything surrounding that aspect of it spoke to me in a way that let me maybe engage with it at a at another level that maybe a a, a different viewer wouldn't be able to gauge right. uh to to approach it with and so for me i'm resting at an eight with it the more time i spend with it the more i like hey maybe it would rest as a nine but a firm eight a hard eight, as some might say, right? Uh, for sure. Yeah. What is a hard? Is a hard eight a six and a two? Is that it? What it is in craps? Is that a hard eight? Or no, hard eight's four four, isn't it? Scott, I don't know. I don't, I don't play craps. craps. I don't mean to, to know anything <laughs> about craps, but yeah. I know that that's a term. A hard eight, I, I think, is four four. I will say that um, none of those extra ears were functional. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so that's where it's resting for me. Okay. So. As much as I want, I want to get into all the, the plots thing. Can we right. talk about like the Let's, themes so, okay. though? Can all right, so here we are. Here we are uh, with the uh, the the spoiler free wrap up is over. Uh, if you have not seen Crimes of the Future, um, go watch it and come back and fast forward right to this this part. Okay, and... so with that being said, <laughs> who who should watch this film and who who shouldn't watch this film? Because that I think is 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 important to note because this is a polarizing movie. Uh, if yeah. you check Rotten Tomatoes, audience uh, critics eighty percent, 
79 technically. I'm just going to say 80. Uh, uh, audience scores at 50. Right. So I would say, um, just off the cuff, that if you um, have a problem with... Uh, I don't know. Okay, because I heard about the people walking out. So the mm -hmm. whole movie, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for that walking out scene. And I'm like, who's waiting for it? And like right. halfway through the movie, I'm like, maybe they walked out due to boredom. <laughs> Not that I was bored, but that's that it is. A, that it is uh, paced very like, slow. That's uh, like pretty harsh time. Uh, yeah. Well, well, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Virgin that can't drive. All right. So, so then there's a scene with, um, and I'm not, I don't want to give you too much information because I'm sure we'll talk about it again. Um, there's a scene with um, underage male nudity, um, and I think that's the only thing that I could think of in the movie that would turn a conservative. Uh, sure. Which, which, so... which, which, what the fuck are you doing at con anyway? <laughs> or... I know, but it's so late into the film that I don't think that that's what they're referring to. I think that the, with the, the, that it's the, the first, um, surgery, the first performance art, I think is really, where... I, I, I assume. Cause that's it's not, it's, it's not at. even, it's not like not even graphic. Like it made no sense to me. Well, I mean, it's, <sighs> I guess we'll get into it, but, um, so we going with that? We were so, just saying in so, general, so, like, so, 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 like, the, what I was saying was, we, was who, oh, who who's should, for? right? Yeah, who, yeah. So this movie is for people who like elevated horror, for people who like art house horror, or just art house movies in general. Um, if you are a Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan and all you care about is the blood and guts, you can easily pass on this movie. Yeah. And and if if nudity makes you uncomfortable. Um, you know, you can probably stay away from it too. And I, honestly, there's not even that much nudity. It's just a little graphic when it is right. present. Well, um, and I mean, some of the nudity with fucking Leah Sadu, Jesus. Yeah. I'll right. rewind that and rewatch that <laughs> so much. Sure, sure. I, I mean, and this, well, the sexual, um, concepts of in the film are also uh you know they're way out there and so if you're uncomfortable with uh you know any kind of not uh not you know normal quote unquote uh sexuality then you could probably mm -hmm. pass on this one as well yeah um, i mean yeah if you're sort of a run-the-mill non-horror buff non slow burn art housey type person then yeah just avoid it if you you're thought you're not gonna if, get anything out of it if you don't want to think about the movie you just want to be kind of like if you thought Jurassic some Park, dumb stupid shit then yeah if you, if you thought jurassic park dominion was the best of the six just pass <laughs> just move on if you, if, say, if you I mean, like the thing about it is like i don't want to talk down to people that aren't into it right it's no, just no, no, it's, no. Not, it's, it's just, not for it's people. just not it's just so, not your thing yeah yeah it's funny to make fun of you know people that don't aren't into this as being, um, you know, uh, mouth breathers, you know, <laughs> not quite oh, part right. of that is the art world aspect of it. Right. Right. So okay. let's get into it. Let's get I into don't it. really want to go into like scene by scene. I want to just pick out certain things and sure. I want to talk about really like the themes. So for me, let's describe the universe that they're living in. So the main tenants of this universe it's a, this is a, I imagine it's the U.S. I don't think they, they don't yeah. locate where this is at, but I, it's in a world that's a dystopian future. I would say, yeah, it's a, I would say it's a dystopian, probably California, because they do have a, they do have a water line, like maybe yeah, a coast there. I would definitely yeah. give you, give you that. 
Okay. Um, and so it's a dystopian future where you come to find out that human beings are evolving. They no longer have the ability to sense pain. Right. And they also uh, are benefited or perhaps not benefited. They do not have to worry about infection or disease in that kind of way. So these new things have developed this world in which now people, what does that cause? What does that lead people to do or to believe uh, or how do they interact now with the world? What does the world look around them because of that? And that's really the main basis for what's happening in the film. That that's that's where you exist, and that's why these Vigo uh, Vigo's character um, Saul Saul uh, Saul Tensor is he's a performance artist. His little side gimmick is that he's kind of growing organs because he has a, a condition that's called uh, accelerated evolutionary something or other syndrome. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. He's growing these organs, and his artwork is both growing them, but then also performatively having them exhumed, uh, taken out of him via a device with his partner. Um, Called the, the Sark. The Sark, yeah. The Sark. That used to be used for autopsies by the law enforcement, but it has, is a retired model uh, from this company called... Lifeform. Lifeform? Yeah. yeah. So... He grows these organs and then has them taken out uh, after Caprice tattoos them. It's performative art. They're on display and everyone's like going around. This is the art world that they're in. And he's like suffering for his art. People will love him for it, but he hates the fact that he's doing this. Like, cause he's, he's fighting it, but he's also doing it because it's his art. Like he's yeah. letting them grow and he's letting them come out. So yeah. that's what he, but people are really into it because they can't feel pain anymore. Right. And so they watch these horrific performances where he's physically mutilating his body in a lot of ways. Um, and it's like, the, it's exciting. It's taboo, but it's like the only way that they're experiencing the world. And so now because right. of all those things, people do on the street surgical operations with one another as like a way to have heightened sort of sexual gratification because they can't yeah. feel pain anymore. This is like the new thing to do. Also, people also love it. Also, right during the first surgery with Vigo, he is definitely uh, getting some sexual gratification from yeah. it. Yeah, and it's it's very subtle. Like his his performance. Oh, it's not movie. as subtle. I don't well, think. Well, well, but it's it's he's not he's not like moaning, but he's like it's all in his like facial expressions and like yes. he does a little tongue thing across his lips, and it's like it's uh-huh. it's very it's very like. It's not or the it's, sadness it's, where it, the guy's like, right, saying, right, you yeah. Stop? I was about to come. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's very erotic. I guess is is the yeah. word. Um, and I mean, it was it's it's so good. <laughs> so yeah, so that that's happened. So the pain and everything. And the other aspect that's in this universe is that we're finding out that there is this. There's a group of people that are able to consume toxic waste so to speak uh or trash or plastics plastics and so and their goal in this film is to to kind of uh bring that to the public's attention that they exist and uh that we find out at the very beginning of the movie there's a child who exists with this ability and they are from a natural birth they did not 
modify their bodies to be able to, to ingest plastic, which his father and all these other right. people did. They did all the surgical stuff to be able to eat plastics. Uh, he was born with the ability to do it. And so right. he wants that. That's the other part of the story. So it's this universe with the artists and this kid exists. And they want to bring his uh, existence to the public. And that's what they're trying to do. And so that's really everything there. For me, just all of the stuff that's going on there is insane to just chew on. Like all of the, this, we could have half hour long conversations on each little aspect of this movie because of that. Absolutely. The, the, the concepts were, were phenomenal. I, I love the, the evolution uh, concept, the, mm-hmm. the, the place uh, Kristen Stewart's character works at the, um, the National the Organ, Na- Registry. Organ Registry, which is a company, or not a company, it's a <clears throat> branch of the government that exists but doesn't exist. And um, so as so they know Saul, he's like a celebrity <clears throat> over there because of, well, one, for his performance art, but two, because he's gr- registering all these organs before they get removed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a new police force uh, called New Vice, and their job is to keep tabs on these newly evolved uh, people, or I forget what they called it. Um, there was a term for anyone who had evolved past the point of natural human evolution. So the government, mm. so the government's keeping tabs on them in two ways. One, they have an, a whole investigative unit to keep tabs on these people, and two, they're ha- having them register their organs um, because. You know, it, you feel like the arm of Big Brother, although it's not part of the movie, but you, you know, you really get a sense of this world and you can feel that, that it, it's not going to be legal to evolve, right? Or that, like, you have to keep, like what Saul's doing, where he keeps having the organs removed, you're going to have to have your mm-hmm. organs removed. Yeah, it's very much like they, and it's, it's just in there. It's, you're you can piece together it's like so so often when we're doing films where we we don't like being hit over the head with everything that's happening it's just sprinkled in there and there's enough exposition the characters say enough but don't say too much to let you understand what's going on and then while they're talking you're learning more and you're just the gears are turning the whole time you're mentally engaged with the film and you're being bombarded with imagery that's changing the way that you feel about it that's evolving the way that you feel about it that's making you squirm and feel uncomfortable during all of it and it's it's a it's a fucking symphony of of feelings and mental workings to piece together what's happening and it's just it's so well um visualized in every sense of the word uh i love yeah the, the plastic aspect of it the the performative art and the the public's need to to like I've so I've heard people talk about the the body horror aspects of this film or the the gore if you will mm. some that some people would describe people that you know should have maybe not have watched this film that we that probably weren't going to enjoy it anyways the way that they feel about this or the way they respond to it is they they think that that the gore or the body horror elements if you want to call them that were shock for shock value and I couldn't disagree more uh, because I feel the way I respond to them is that yes, they're they're uncomfortable to sit through. You know, when he is having 
he has his first surgery and it's icky like it's a little unnerving mm-hmm. but when he is now in another scene uh testing out the sark uh practicing with it on leia who's laying nude uh you see the two scalpels kind of dancing and you're always like it's a knife's edge type thing where you are like and that he does something and it and it goes in that scene i think was like more squirmy for me i think that the way that you feel as an audience member it's relevant all those scenes are relevant because you're forced to confront a few things like one you are uncomfortable and you're feeling ick but two when you think about that and you push that idea how you you're meant to put yourself in the position of the characters how far gone does humanity have to be how far down the evolutionary tract the dystopian tract of this world that they're living in of filled with grime and ick to where the humans have now won't feel pain because of how fucking gross it is out there and uh disease doesn't exist because uh, there's so much of it rampant that they're just like immune now you know yeah like you have to think about how are down how much how broken we are from what we know as norm commonplace today do people have to become in order for now the acts that they're seeing and doing are gratifying it's a it's a great just mind fuck of a of a mental exercise that i think every time that those scenes are there just it drives that point home and gets makes it such commonplace that you're forced to confront like how could this make sense what world do they live in that this is now the norm yeah yeah i i oh man i mean so there's so much i want to talk about because of how much uh how much meat there really is in this movie um between the the so the mother so we talked about the the kid who eats plastic um who's the son Mm -hmm. of the of the main we'll call him an antagonist for lack of a better word but pretty much everyone in this in this movie is yeah Lang Dotrice yeah. Yeah. is his character. Oh, right. Scott Speedman, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, from Evolution or Underworld. Uh, Underworld, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Queen of the Damned. He was in Queen of the Damned, and then he disappeared until this movie. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, so she, uh, the wife, kills the, the boy in the opening scene by smothering him with a pillow, and then she calls... And leaves a voicemail, or yeah, I think it is a voice message. Yeah, it's like you're gonna come home and find the corpse of this monster you made for made with me or made for me or something like that. Um, I can't take it anymore. Uh, you know, I'm out of here. Blah blah blah. And we'll we'll see her again later in the movie. Um, but like that scene, that scene's how the movie starts, and you're like, Jesus Christ! Like, all right. Yeah, it's pretty heavy. Pretty. Yeah, quick. yeah, yeah. And then it and then it goes to uh, to Saul and Caprice for a while. Before, for a long while before it gets back to what happened uh, to that boy and his mother um, before we even know who the father is actually um, I mean if the father's a character before we know that he's the father of the boy is what I'm trying to say um, then we've got the uh, the as I said uh, the scene where um, Vigo's getting cut up it's it's like erotic and they, they shot it that way um, I think they do the same thing with uh, Kristen Stewart over mm-hmm. her second or third meeting uh, with Vigo, um, where she like gets really close to him and is like, while you were cutting her, I just 
wanted you to be cutting me. Oh, that, it's, that's the very first scene. That, oh, that's the, the first the very, time. The, yeah, the very first time. And that's where she says the famous line. Yeah. Um, that surgery is the new sex. Yeah, surgery is the new she sex. She compliments him because she like he's like laying repose uh, on a on a sofa or whatever, and she's going up to his ear, telling him how much she, she loved the yeah. performance. And so then you never know what's gonna what's gonna come of that, right? Until the scene in the in the office, right? Because it seems almost like a tryst type thing could be happening where right. she's showing interest sexually. Uh, she's into what they're doing. Maybe she's gonna be involved in. It. There's a little bit of resentment from uh, Leah Sadu's yeah. uh, from Caprice, Caprice, sorry, and yeah, but they don't push that, and it's kind of like she's just there. She's just a weirdo. Right. Well, they they you know they start to make out and he stops and he's like he's like I'm not good at at old sex. Well, the whole way that they sex. do it was so disgusting because she's <laughs> like just like she's looking. You can tell she's so interested. She's got all you her ability to communicate, um, repressed but intense sexual lust for him. Uh, yeah. And uh, what she was amazing at that because you it was like boiling over you just felt it so hard uh yeah she's no, like you, grabbing that's... at his mouth and pulling it and then puts her fingers in there and then she's tasting it and then she starts to kiss and that's when he says uh, he's no good at the old sex yeah uh everything about it is just uncomfortable but so perfectly acted she yeah. was such a creep it was wonderful to watch no, that that scene was incredible like like the only way to describe it i think is is as erotic like like yeah. that, that, like that scene was steaming, and it mm -hmm. was like, but it was like it shouldn't be. Like, what, like this is kind of gross, but also like really kind of hot. Like I've never thought Kristen Stewart was like, you know, I mean, you know, whatever as far as like attractive. It's people weird, goes, but yeah, but, yeah, like it's yeah. like part of it is like her, her. I don't want to say it's her boyish outfit that kind of drove it, but like you know, there's something about a very attractive woman dressed as like uh, in like. A suit, uh, like a button she's got, down. She had like, she had like a blouse I think she, on, I think yeah. she had like the suspenders, maybe even. It just yeah. looked like, uh, or maybe it was like the bureaucratic office worker type aesthetic that I was like into. I don't know. The uh, other, the, so speaking of costumes, the other thing I want to mention with costumes, just a sidebar. I loved it. Vigo's costume through the whole movie. So it was hilarious. Amazing. It's just in like a black. Great. What I don't know. A onesie, cape, <laughs> cape with a cow, like you know that that covers yeah. his face. Uh, and I'll, there's a couple moments. I don't know if you picked up on him or noticed where he has like um the sleeves that can extend past his fingers, like his hands can be exposed. But then it's almost as if like you get like the the like thumb sleeves or just emo type things. Uh, there's a scene where he's talking with someone and he's like getting annoyed or he's dismissive and he's like and he like flips it around and like you could see it wiggling like some silly sock puppet type thing yeah. and i thought it was just like a just a it was just deadpan they don't like they don't heighten the comedic value of it but for me i was laughing my ass off right watching right. it like because he looked like he was just <laughs> flitting about and like like it was dainty uh and just uncharacteristic in some way but it also characteristic and another so the costume design designs were really great. The designs of all of the machinery oh, were really machinery. great. You want I, to talk oh, yeah. about that? Yeah, I did want to talk about that. How um, the Sark specifically, um, it was a colored buttons, and it even looked like it was almost like a little creature. And, yeah. And like he held it against his chest, and he kind of played it like an a musical instrument, and and that's and that that gets more into like 
the intimacy between maybe him and the machine or him and Caprice where where maybe it is more about what you're feeling than and actually controlling because it wasn't like Cronenberg was like all right now press the red button then the blue button then the red button in this sequence because that's how that machine works mm-hmm. right. he, he was he was playing it by by feeling you know and yeah. and and so was Caprice when she was using the machine and so I think and you that almost was wonder the... it's like it's like kind of a silly element too where it's like it doesn't have to make sense it's like kind of weird and dumb right. and bizarre but like we're just having fun with it so just go along with it you know that's kind of a vibe that I got like I never felt pulled away from from any of it as dumb or silly as it is like right right I, yeah I was I was sucked into the world definitely I didn't I didn't break immersion I don't think one time it was what I liked about the machinery was that it was it's was definitely organic in some way and when the life form people come to to recalibrate the machine because mm-hmm. apparently that one organ he grew made the machine go out of whack uh you know they have to go in there and like tune it up and recalibrate it like I thought that was all very cool very interesting stuff and we forgot about the C plot so the A plot is like Caprice and Saul the B plot is that Scott Speedman character and the plastics the C plot are these mechanic serial killers. <laughs> well, yeah, life form repair technicians. Yes. Yeah, but they're but yeah, but they're just like killing people. Well, they're <laughs> they're operatives for the new vice. Oh, for new you vice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought they were yes. great. I thought they were great, and they're they were. Yeah, uh, they were funny uh, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe a couple, you know. Uh, right, yeah. They got uh, nude in the Sark and like were like going to Leah, like, can we be in your next thing? Like, yeah. they're just like fun and chippy. And uh, man, um, there's just so much going on. And like, but yeah, so the B plot that you just mentioned briefly, I love the idea of it. Uh, that human human beings have ruined the planet so catastrophically right. that the only way to survive is to have evolved or to develop a new internal uh, digestive tract that can process the waste that we have created right, in abundance. Right. You know, yeah. and the, the, you think about right now, you and I, everyone around uh, that's listening, we have microplastics in our fucking bloodstream. Oh, it's sure. Proven. Right. This is a natural progression of the of this very likely could come to pass. Yeah, that this is a real fucking thing. We We've already to, got it in our bodies. We have to eat our garbage to dispose of it because we've and it's, created it's so, so much garbage. And it's so creative and smart. Like, yes, yeah, this would be. This is actually a great thing. I guess we're no longer human in the same way, but this seems like it makes sense. Yeah, the, that concept was so cool. Yeah, and it's like you want them to succeed. You want them to find the the organs to like see it. And so the way that the film concludes with now Vigo uh, with um, Saul continually accepting the fact that he is not able to digest and to eat the way that he's been wanting to or thinks that he should. He thinks that that his his eating chair is is on the fritz. And we we see try to fix that. We see at one of the at one of the um, art uh, parties that um, Speedman's character eats these um, purple toxic plastic waste bars. 
And he puts it out on the counter, and some guy just grabs it and takes a bite out of it, and then he starts foaming at the mouth, and he dies. Yeah. Um, so so we, we've set the precedent that this will kill you if you cannot digest it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, you know, this big end scene is, is pretty big and meaningful in that, in that Vigo kind of knew, or Saul kind of knew that he was going to be able to digest it, but he also was, was okay with that just dying because he's, he's, his life, like, like his life is fine, but his, his living is so uncomfortable. Yeah. He's his so, life. His, 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 yeah. yeah, he's so sick. And that's the, a... It's a good point to sidebar his performance. The whole movie, he is talking with a very strained vocal cords, like, I'm trying to talk to you. And, like, you hear the strain in his voice, like, where you have to throw your voice and how painful that would be. But then he's, like, coughing and gurgling and, like, like the whole time. It's it's disgusting. It's uncomfortable. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And so yes, he's like he's he's lived like this. He can't yeah. eat. He can't consume. He's going through all this uh, so, art that he's suffering for, and he's now at the point where yeah, he's willing to. Where he's like, if risk. I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, I die. Right. But if I can digest this, maybe I can live a normal life. So he, yeah, he, and he, I mean throughout the movie with all the conversations with the other detective that uh, is talking with him about this, he's starting to piece together like that these people exist. Um, that this child existed and was able to do that. Like, so he thinks that there might be something there, something that his body is doing on its own, this accelerated uh, evolutionary syndrome that he has. Maybe this is the next phase of, of life that he's going to now bridge the gap where the child wasn't able to be the one. Now maybe he's actually going to be able to be the one. And I thought that was a wonderful, good closure. The conclusion of that scene, him, biting into it and sort of having it but like it's 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 not open-ended it's pretty resolved that he is tearful he's content he finds happiness or he knows that it is going to work out that this is real uh and um the chair just going silent because it it doesn't need to do what it needs to do anymore you know yeah the chair just turns itself off and then the and then it fades out and i was like oh because <laughs> i because i didn't think that was going to be the end i want i oh, wanted okay. i wanted more and it ended and then it, and then i was like okay well then i guess that was the end and then that mm-hmm. and then the brain started turning and going through it again but yeah. that but i definitely was like oh well i you know you could have tied up a few more of those of those those plots you opened up if you wanted to I got I got the time. This movie could have been longer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean uh, it was wonderful. Uh the 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 art world stuff for me, I didn't mention uh the detailed scenes specifically, but whenever they go to watch the um the the ear artist mm-hmm. do his performative thing. So this was a this is a great visual that's on posters or you see little snippets and it's part of the intrigue of the film is saying like what the fuck is this? So it's just uh, it's this other artist who his piece, his performative piece is he's grown all these vestigial ears on his body. They're non-working <laughs> and yes. he has his eyes and mouth sutured shut as part of the performance. Uh, and then a 
really awesome sound uh, track or music starts to play and it has over over the top of it starts saying how um, listen, you must listen type stuff is what they're, he's speaking and he just starts doing this uh, performative dance and it's really, really funny and kind of like it, when you look at it through an art lens, it's like, yeah, this is kind of like the absurd bullshit that some grad student probably would fucking do. And then when you hear the woman and Vigo talking, she's like looking back at it and she's like, I think he's a better dancer than he is a concept artist. <laughs> like it's like <laughs> the most just like gutting like critique of his fucking work. Yeah. Like and you think of the insanity of what he's gone through to grow all these fucking ears to do the suturing <laughs> and then dancing like and she's just like, yeah, this guy's a fucking hack more or less. Yeah. Like he doesn't like it's hilarious because you know I as lo- artists you you do so much. And then someone just is so just like dismissive, dismissive of yeah, your grand of your gesture yeah. that to you means the world. It's just so it's it's unfortunate, but it's it's wonderful. It's so um it's perfect because that's that's really what it is like as an artist uh, in you know the big game, so to speak. Yeah, um, I also liked the second one they went to uh, more oh, like the woman more, more after it when um when Caprice is talking to Saul about it and. He's like, it was fucking good. It's like, I'm. It's like I'm so jealous. <laughs> like he's like, yeah, yeah. She's he's like, like she's really like, pissed that yeah, it was yeah, she's good. Like, well, are you jealous? He's like, of course I am. Like, and <laughs> that's the other thing too. Yeah, artists fucking covet other artists' fame and fortune, or like yeah. getting popularity. They're like, oh my god, it was so good. It's like this guy. It's uh, it's fucking Christian Bale in Psycho. Is that bone? Is like, that... and he's sweating. Yeah. He's just like, oh my god. <laughs> This guy's doing it better than I am. I yeah. fucking hate him. Yeah, it's 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 ego and and vanity. It's all of those things. Right, but and... it's so, it's it's so like it's so funny uh, when it happens too because because it's real, but also yeah. because because this world is so bleak and and like so different than what we know, mm-hmm. and yet and yet here you are where you're eating slop. Well, you have to sit in a chair that like calibrates you so you can eat. You can't sleep because you're in a bed that calibrates you so you can sleep. And um, you know, you you can't feel pain. Sex isn't good. Like you gotta you're you're inventing new ways to to be intimate with one another by actually p- being inside, physically inside other people. So let's talk about that one <laughs> other scene with the uh, with the uh, zipper. Oh, the zipper! Awesome. The zipper was it's awesome. It's such a small little side note, but man, it was fucked up because there's also you. you we uh, so about yeah, the this is, plot. But yeah. there's also like a fucking FGHIJKL plot where like the, where there's the a, inner beauty. The inner beauty, <laughs> and it turns out that it was started and is going to be hosted by the head, like, the head um, organ uh, um, registrar guy. I was yeah, like, oh shit, head guy. Does, is, is fucking Cronenberg like onto this whole Sports Illustrated shit that's going on now? Like, <laughs> oh my pageant. sweet God. <laughs> so so the, the guy pulls Saul into his office and he's like, hey, I'm the guy who's doing the interview pageant. You can't fucking tell anybody I lose my job. <laughs> you, you know what you should do. Like, you're a shoe-in to win, but you have to enter. Like, because he's not, he's, yeah. he doesn't know if he's going to do it. You have to enter and you'll win. And he's like, you know what you should do? You should get one of those zippers installed. <laughs> so he goes and he gets this zipper 
And Caprice sees it, and she just, like, gets turned on by it right away. And they have a weird relationship where they're not really together, and but they're but they're obviously right. partners. Sexually, and, yeah. Yeah. Um, Exploring each other's it, body. And, yeah, she yeah. unzips it and just starts... Uh, Making out with his organs and sticks, sticks her hands in there first. But then she gets her head down there, and she's just... Yeah, she goes yeah. right into that. Like, it's so, like, just, like, whether you want to call it cunnilingus or fellatio or whatever the fuck, it's disgusting. And yeah. he's like, he goes, oh, careful, don't spill. I'm like, what the fuck did you just say? Don't <laughs> yeah. spill yeah. your fucking insides? That is disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I was, like, shocked. Like, oh. Was, <laughs> man, the uh. things that the movie makes you feel. Oh, wow it was just i was just like what my eyes are popping yeah oh man so good so the movie was filled with all of that stuff it was um and like the world that we're describing there's like we said so many different things happening and just shit to think about and insanely uh well crafted well acted well everything um yeah solid good so. movie i'm definitely gonna um own this one um I recommend it to pretty much everyone. There's a couple of people I, I would I would say you could pass, but for the yeah. for the most part you for the most part you're not going to be disappointed with this movie. Yeah, uh, wonderful time. Uh, so happy with it. Uh, already got some t-shirts. Gonna a design that I'm gonna make. Like I thought also it'd be fun as shit to make uh, device t-shirts like adverts for the Sark. Autopsy machine, you know, and like do it like in an old retro style, like where oh, it's yeah. like new Sark Autopsy 2.0 type shit by Lifeform or the zipper. But the National Organ Registry is definitely going to be a T that I'm going to make that I cannot wait to purchase or have printed for myself to fucking wear. Oh, yeah. It'll definitely be more obscure than Ada's lamb that I walk around with, but uh, if I find someone that notices, it'll be a weird. Oh, yeah. You know, that's a weird eye contact to make because you're going to be thinking about all these fucked up scenes. And that's what's so great about it, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic. It, um, yeah. Yeah. I, great movie. Um, okay. Moving on. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's move on from that. Cronenberg, wonderful, uh, return to the, uh, to the genre. Uh, He's 80 years young. Maybe he's got some more up his sleeve. We'll see. Looking forward to to it if he does. If not, wonderful last movie. Oh, yeah. Ex excellent, excellent, excellent. Thank you very much. Okay. Moving on to The Black Phone. Here we go. After being abducted by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement, a 13-year-old boy starts receiving calls on a disconnected phone from the killer's previous victims. Directed by Scott Derrickson, written by Scott Derrickson and Robert Cargill. Um, based on a short story of the same name by Joe Hill, which, uh, if you don't know, is Stephen King's uh, son's pen name. Uh, starring uh, Mason uh, Thames, Madeline McGraw, and Ethan Hawke. Um, I loved The Black Phone. Um Right off the bat, you're going to see a lot of things that you've seen before. Uh, you know, it's 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 using that throwback uh, film style. You know, we kind of saw it with X. It's it's doing the same kind of thing. 
Um, it's definitely about uh, kids uh, coming together to defeat evil adults, which is a theme all through King's work. Um, Joe Hill, it, it's, it's also there. Um, it feels like a Stephen King um, uh, adaptation. Um, the team, uh, Scott Derrickson, Robert Cargill, was uh, the guys that did uh, Sinister. Um, so you know that like they've got that going for them. That was definitely one of the one of the more actually scary horror films of the last uh, ten years, I would say. Um, and yeah, just a excellent story, beautifully acted by the the kids again. So many good kid actors in these mm -hmm. horror movies we've been watching, right? Um, I mean they. As brother and sister, um, Mason and Madeline, uh, they play uh, Finney and Gwen um, with an abusive father. They uh, they just knock it out of the park, uh, those two. Yeah, so, I mean, when you talk about it feeling like other things, I think that uh, for sure it's sort of, the way that it's shot and the way that they tell the story, it does feel when you said X, it, you're right. It, it has, it's, it wants to be sort of grounded in the time period that it exists in. And this is existing in the seventies. I can't remember the exact year. It says it early on. It's, yeah. it's somewhat irrelevant right now, yeah. uh, but it also, it takes place in uh, North, North Denver, uh, Northern, I think, I think they even say like North of Denver uh, at any rate. Uh, yeah, that has that feel and that vibe. It does feel like King. Um, it's comfortable. It's like uh, yeah. child movies with it's, yes. thriller-esque elements. It's comfortable. It's familiar, but it's telling a new story. Uh, it's telling yep. a story. It's, it's telling a story in a in a way that like um, yeah, and it gives it away in the uh, in the description. I think um, so. Yeah, this description I'm not a fan of. Yeah, it gives too much away. The black phone, because you don't really know what it is. Because I, once again, didn't read that description. <laughs> so I had no idea what the black phone was. And I got to discover it on my own uh, mm -hmm. and go, oh, it's the ghosts of the victims trying to help Finney get out, trying to help Finney escape. Right. Um, and I mean, yeah, that's you definitely that out not pretty quick, but still, it's just. It's, it's but, it's not but it's not clear, uh, like at first. Uh, I mean. Right. It, it it is easy to to decipher, but it's not right. It, exactly clear. So the thing about it is, um, I think that as much as the there, there's there's comfortable elements to it, I think that the film excels by the uniqueness that it brings to the genre into this kind of storytelling that it's existing within and sharing stage with other films that have done things similar. I think that it is putting itself, uh, setting itself apart from them in unique and creative ways the dream sequences and the way that those are handled are very intelligent and creatively unique and interesting. The, yeah. um, the depth of Ethan Hawke's character, the grabber, um, his performance I mean, is amazing. Amazing. Uh, it's, it's, uh, there's so much depth there without going through annoyingly trite exposition, you know, Right. A lesser handled film would do. They'd show you 
the grabber's father beating him and abusing him when he was four, four or seven or 10 or 13, you know, and this movie doesn't have to do it because it's, it's not important. It's not relevant. You need, and because you need to see him as a threat that you don't understand, or you just fear the fear of him and what he's doing needs to be the unknown. And the way that they handle it, I think is where this film excels. And so for those reasons, I think that yes, this movie sets itself apart and has its own tone and path and is very approachable to broad audiences and it's succeeding. You know, we're coming from opening weekend here and it had a great box office, budget. I want to say 23 million or something over the weekend for a new release, wide release horror film. That's, that's, very, very yeah, good. that's really good for a horror movie, um, especially in this day and age uh, for cinema. Um, yeah, um, it was definitely for, worth for a it. non-franchise unique <laughs> yeah. IP. Like this is right. this is a this is a new story. People complaining, where's the new stories? This is a new fucking story, guys. Yeah, here's a new story, and it's awesome. So get your asses out there and go watch it. You know. Are there any other broad strokes that you want to acknowledge or reference before we get into some deep dive? Um, before we get into the deep dive, I, I don't think so. I think, um, you know, go see this movie if you like, um, you know, your suspense thriller. Um, you know, there, there's actually not a lot of gore. It's just a solid story. Um, great acting. Uh, yeah, I, I really can't say much more without, without getting into it, so... I okay. will. So go ahead. You you first. Sure. So I I would say yes. I think that if you are a horror fan, a thriller fan, uh, you should see this movie because I think it is um, an approachable middle of the road, and I don't mean that in a condescending or a neg type way. Um, it is handled um, confidently, and it's not trying to rock the boat, but it is trying to do something creatively and uniquely to make it more interesting than other shit that's out there so it's a it's a good acknowledgement of what to do to do things right uh so if you do enjoy those kind of genres i think that this film is for you uh, i will say there are certain tropes or certain certain utilization of other elements that it might be a bit contrived or a bit too regular or too on the nose or too overdone that I think uh, a really astute observer that wants more intellectual horror isn't going to appreciate how quote unquote low brow this is, but it's by design. It wants to reach a broader audience and I'm all for it. I think that they do it successfully and I embrace this film and give it more credit with my rating because it is for the masses. It is unique enough and creative enough that they're doing things that are really awesome, but it doesn't, doesn't cause waves in its wake with other things to be as distractions to other stuff. And so I think that with what it was trying to achieve, it did wonderfully. Uh, this film is going to rest at a seven for me. And for me, I'm going to have to give it an eight. Um, you know, it's uh, so easy to watch. I'm going to watch it again uh, very soon. I know um, it, I put it right in the boat with X Um it's uh it's fun the enjoyment factor is high the nostalgia factor is high you know you got you got to love your kids on bikes your stranger things your stand by me which is also stephen king um 
And, I mean, if you read Stephen King or Joe Hill, and you, you know that he loves his powered children. Uh, and we haven't mm -hmm. really touched on the paranormal, but you know that it's a part of it uh, from that description. And, and it gets a... Uh, it I I had no idea, and I loved every minute of it. Um, that it that it was. You had no idea what you were getting into. Oh, the paranormal. Yeah, movie. yeah. Okay. I was yeah. like, I, I'm. I figured it was a slasher, like Ethan Hawke kid slasher. Great. Mm -hmm. I'm watching yeah. it right. Um, so, you know that whole that whole aspect of the film, which gave the story its depth. It really did, right? Um, right. I, I and, and that's the other thing too that you have to give it credit for because the way that it handles the paranormal element is more unique and interesting than how other movies would do it. Right. And it's satisfying. You know, yeah. paranormal can be handled where it's like this stupid fucking thing with ghosts, this or that. Like, that's dumb. That's not real. That's not whatever. This movie addresses it and kind of it's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. You're not doing anything that makes me feel like too detached it all works it's great yeah absolutely uh so for me i did i say i give it an eight yeah an eight out of ten all right okay Four. so here's the part where uh we're gonna start talking about the movie in depth so if you uh don't want the black phone spoiled for you uh feel free to tune out uh, and come back and hear what we had to say later uh, yeah, go see it in the theater. I saw it in the theater. There was lots of people in the theater. The the small seats that are right in front of the screen, no one was in. But for the most part, all of the upper seats were occupied. What about you? I was about half. It was about half. But I'm in, I'm in a okay. smaller town. Sure, smaller town. I'm up in yeah, bigger town. Uh, and mostly uh, teenagers. A lot of talking. Not a fan of that. Had to tell <laughs> the, the, the girls next to me to shut up. Did you go alone or did you bring the wife? Uh, I went alone. Um, it was, it wasn't any reason that she didn't want to go. I think it was just like, you know, timing is tough. We're we got the baby coming. And so like, we each have responsibilities and this was like enough for me to kind of like, I felt bad even going to see it, you know, sure, selfishly sure. do it. I'm doing plenty of other shit. So I build myself reprieves. Well, um, let me, let me, let me clear you in. My father um, taught me this from like 15 years ago. So he, uh -oh. he, he is not hard of hearing. But my uncle is his brother. They went to a movie together, and the my uncle asked for the headphones, and they have Bluetooth wireless surround sound headphones for people who are hard of hearing. You can get at the desk. Ever you since, mentioned this to me before, yeah, and I forgot. Ever since that day, my father has done it for every single movie he's ever seen. He is not hard of hearing. He's an immersion guy like me, so he gets to yeah. sit in his. He sits in the theater, puts those headphones on, and just zones right in so yeah. um you know if you got yeah. if you got loud kids in your theater maybe you want to think about those headphones hey yeah not to be a downer but you know that works out until you fucking go see the dark night in fucking colorado <laughs> wah, wah. yeah all right all right <laughs> <laughs> you remember that snl skit debbie downer Sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Too, that's too all right. soon? Too soon? I don't think it's too soon. <laughs> no. Speaking uh, of too soon, Jesus Christ. The scene early on with um, Gwen and her father, Terrence. Her father, uh, holy whipping her? fuck, yeah. dude. I haven't seen a child abuse scene that 
emotionally wrenching and graphic. Now, some people I know were detached and weren't engaged with the way that Jeremy Davies played this role and the child uh, uh, Gwen played her role. Yeah. But um, this for me, like early on in the movie, I was like, oh my God, like I was sick almost. Yeah. Probably because in part that I've got the kids and yeah. probably in part because I was hit like this by uh, my family, my right. father, you know, it was difficult for me. Yeah. I, and I would like, I like, <laughs> I'm not going to say that I liked it, Rodney, but I, but I really, Didn't you say that last uh, time when there was like some, <laughs> some racist shit happened on the thing and you're like, I like the, the subtle I, racism or something I don't, like no, that. No. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, but, but I mean, it, 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 it helps, it helps with the realism, right? And it helps with the, with the um, immersion, especially getting to know Gwen and her family or the, the Finney and the father and their, their family yeah. unit and trying to understand it because they're not going to just explain it to you. Right. This movie was written well and shot well. So yeah. you're not going to get the exposition scene of the guidance counselor, just telling the kid all the information the audience needs to know. You're not going to get that in this movie. The psychologist does that there. You're not mm. going to get that scene. So you kind of have to figure it out and like, you know, he's like whipping the shit out of her, and you're like, "What the fuck?" And that's a, you know, that's also a nice twist, right? He's not beating up the the older brother; he's beating up the younger sister, and yeah. and he yeah. and he and he has to like he has to comfort her, which obviously he was going to do, but like normally it's the it's the younger sister who's like trying right. to save her big brother in these kind of films. Um, so and so you're like, "Why is the father doing this?" And it's like. He, he, you know, you can't even talk about your psychic ability. Your mother had that. She went crazy, killed herself. We don't know that yet. We know that we find that out yeah, way, we, way we later. Eventually, yeah. Um, right we now, know... we just know that the police were talking to her, and he thought she was acting up. Like, why are the police calling me? Right. What did you do? And, you know, because, like, yeah, the cops are calling them, and it's like, you got in trouble at school. This is what parents of that time and that era would do. Yeah. You fucking you correct you you know you rule with the with the fucking the iron, iron fist, fist. To yeah the iron fist in, yeah, keep absolutely. your kids more. and and there and back then you know there wasn't anything wrong with it like that's just how it no, was no it was a common thing and it's it's fucked up yeah yeah um and and what does he make her say my dreams aren't real he's just like yeah, say it again yeah. say it again dreams are <laughs> my dreams are dreams they're yeah. not real yeah yeah just he's like say it again he just hits her harder and and i think and that they're, like, they're, they're holy both very shit. good yeah like her especially like it oh. was very convincing like a lot of times children that are going through a scene like this it doesn't come off as real for me and oh, it maybe it's just very, me, but it, felt very real, it was yeah. very realistic oh my god it was very very realistic very and like good. everyone was just quiet in the theater you know like everyone was just like holy fuck like just like yeah. brother where like you're yelling at first but then you're just like fearfully quiet yeah. while it's happening because you can't right. do anything yeah what, yeah. Are you, yeah what are you gonna do it brave um, of them to do something like that for sure i love um, she's got think... the, she's, she's got the bottle and she's like i'm gonna drop it if you come and yeah. hit me again and she's like don't you fucking drop that she just drops it like yeah <laughs> you dumb motherfucker yeah, yeah. yeah she's uh so the she's played oh. by madeline mcgraw gwen yeah. is a amazing character i love gwen. oh yeah the dialogue in this movie also uh very reminiscent of king dialogue joe hill dialogue if you've read any joe hill um you know they say fuck and cunt like the you know 
the King family is very big on vulgarity with children. But that's also lends to the immersion and the realism. Like we, you know, when we were 12 years old, we said fuck all the time because we just, we, that's we, fair. we just learned it and we're away from our parents. Like, cause we're going to say fuck all the time. Like I, I say it, I still say it today, but I don't say it that often. Like I say it when I need to say it. Right. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the girl, Gwen is a, you know, you would, I think that you could say she's a bit um, overly uh, loquacious than what a little girl her age should be. Um, and so it might be hammed up a bit for the screen, but I'm okay with it. I don't think it's completely over the top. Um, she's sort of, I think, filling a role that exists because of what happened with their mother and their home situation, that this is how she processes and deals with it. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, she definitely, I mean, she definitely needed to be there. And of course, um, you find out that she has a power just like her mother. And for me, I was like, oh, she has a power just like her mother. And I, and I didn't really even go beyond it. You know, maybe it's a little, a little sexist uh, of me to not think that maybe uh, Finney has a power too. Um, because what happens with Finney is these ghosts communicate with him through the black phone. Well, mm-hmm. In my mind, these ghosts aren't going to communicate with anyone through the black phone. They're communicating with Finny because Finny can communicate with them because she has her power, he has his power, and this is yeah. him, you know, him discovering his power, not that he even realizes that it's a power because he's right, a, yeah, a kid yeah, and has no idea what's going on. Um, he's just using the information they give him to to try and escape, which is what they're trying to do. They're trying to save him and and simultaneously kill this murderer or get this murderer caught at least um mm-hmm. bec- because they they just were killed by him um yeah so once again we talk about what a great original story to be put in one of these very familiar nostalgic settings that so we're watching the movie and it feels so safe and it feels so familiar uh, you know, it definitely has Stand By Me feels. It definitely has, um, you know, Goonies, Stranger Things feels. Uh, and and it's a completely, like, new story. And uh, and it was so, so well-written, well-performed. Um, I mean, Ethan Hawke, right? Even the Ethan Hawke's brother, <laughs> who had, like, two small scenes, right? He was yeah. fantastic. He, he was like the gatekeeper. <laughs> yeah, he he was a bit of a MacGuffin, you know. Yeah. Um, Max, right? Right. I loved uh, I loved him and the cops. You know, the cops come in to ask him some questions, and he's got he's got all the the crime the crime stuff uh, about the yeah. the 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 grabber on his wall. Sort of a just sort of a charlie day nod there. yeah yeah he's like he's like it's like you gotta you gotta let me help you i i'm gonna figure this out and yeah. uh and then the cops leave and he immediately is like snorts some cocaine off his coffee table right because the cops <laughs> are like uh yeah you um you might want to uh clean up yeah uh, before your, before your brother gets back yeah and he looks down and he sees his lines like oh fuck yeah oh my god that was so close they almost caught me oh shit <laughs> he gets right back in it yeah. Uh, and so, you know, so I, I also 
heard some rumblings about like this like oh it's so unbelievable this fucking brother doesn't realize what's happening with him his own brother going on and so i was like yeah he's a he's a fucking cokehead like the dude's out in his own world like he's not looking and figuring anything out he's just on a bender non-stop like maybe you don't know a lot of people with drug abuse but like yeah he's he's just off in his own world especially uh overworking this and he's not thinking about real world type stuff so Right, not. Uh, I, I mean, not. You know, not to mention that he soundproofed the walls and the door, and he kept the door right. locked. You could, and if he's you like, "Don't go near my hole, stuff." Ahead, but... Yeah, yeah. You could consider it a plot hole, but yeah, it's, it's... I think it's an entertaining uh, little comic relief, almost, or just like a, a good way to um, heighten the the excitement of of the who done it aspect of it, of the right. where they're at type thing. You know, it's a good subterfuge of of what's actually occurring and it, and it throws throws things off in an interesting way you know yeah like i said the, the MacGuffin element of it was good right right yeah you get the you get the two near escapes right you get the one where he runs away and and he runs him down with the van and you get the one where his brother discovers it and uh and then he you know he has to kill his brother and that he blames that on on finney he's like you see what you made me do you made me kill my brother that and then oh can we talk about ethan hawk's performance for a minute where yeah let's he, talk about where, ethan hawk as the where, grabber where he goes from he goes from like gleeful playful this high-pitched childlike whimsical voice yeah. and and even like even kind of like goofy with his mannerisms mm-hmm. and he goes from that to anytime finney says something that he doesn't like or does something that he doesn't like immediately it has this almost demonic, uh, well, uh, you know, I wasn't going to kill you, but now you said that thing that really pissed me off, so you shouldn't have said that. You know, that kind of mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that kind of light switch flick in his performance. Um, and that's another thing that I really loved, is we don't ever know what happened with the five boys uh, right. until until we know, right? We don't know until we know. And um, he starts out saying, okay, well, now that you're here, you have nothing to worry about. Uh, I'm not going to hurt you. Um, you know, I'll see you tomorrow. And he just, like, leaves. And that and that's, like, the playful version uh, says that. Um, so, you, so you're trying to figure out all sorts of things uh, as this movie goes on. Because you don't know what his intentions are. You don't know right. if he's a... Uh, if he's a molester, if he's a killer, if he's a... You have no idea what, what his deal is. Well, I, yeah. Um, you know, until, <laughs> I, until they reveal until it. Until you get more exposition with some of the, the one ghost where they talk about um, being naughty, like, don't go up the stairs, he's don't waiting for you with the belt. He's right. going to get into you, he's going to lay into you with the belt and play naughty boy, and that's when he's just not going to stop, and it's not going to stop. Yeah. Uh, and they sort of allude to the naughty boy game kind of progressing to something different. And it's not overtly saying that it's murder or death right then right. or sexual trauma after that. Um, they don't address that. Right. Uh, I think that's an intelligent choice. I think you can, you can perceive it however you want. And the fact that they leave it open uh, is probably a good thing because if it, like they don't have to say that it wasn't sexual, uh, sexually related 
but if you want to perceive it that way that you can it's not going to hurt any it's not going to hurt anything right but they're not gonna it's gonna make a little more gross (laughs) yeah a little bit more uncomfortable for you or like that heightens the stakes of him getting out of their life right so yeah ethan hawk was was excellent his and also the the performative aspect of his role the way that he has to command uh his his body in such a way to communicate um sort of approachable weakness and looseness to finney but then like you said on the um immediately do a 180 and turn into the the grabber and the monster with power and strength like whenever he's sitting in that chair with his legs completely splayed open yeah like shirt unbuttoned and he's just like and the and the masks are wonderful touch yeah you know several of them yeah so like but he the way that he the way that he commands his his he controls his body his voice and his body you know he says a lot like and it's on um the the one uh so the poster came out for a black phone with just the shows the mask and oh also right. we should mention fucking uh christ let me what's um i feel like an asshole because i don't have his name at the tip of my tongue famous tom savini tom savini is the one that designed a lot of these masks oh which is I love awesome tom savini oh it's so good uh, so anyways the what I was thinking of was the poster it has Tom Savini's design mask on the front of it. But now there was another uh, poster created by a guy out of the UK uh, called creepy duck design uh, or creepy duck poster. I think it's creepy duck design. He does alt art posters and a lot of his alt art posters have been picked up for Blu-ray releases or other kind of releases for films that have been very popular. I think he's got picked up for a scream one and a risen evil one. He's getting a lot more attention. Uh, he's done a Scream 6 design that looks sweet. Shows like what the knife is uh, coming out of what was a skyscraper and ghost face images in the clouds. It's fucking cool. It's 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 great. Anyways, he did the the art that you're really fond of where Ooh, it shows the grabber with the, hands. With the fingers, yeah. the hands, and the blood dripping down very 70s-esque uh, pour and like uh, he... I can't remember the tagline on the on the poster, but that i was just thinking of that visual when he's doing that the way that ethan hawk does that scene when he's in there and he has the mask and he's like going like this and that when he's absconding with um finney with his abracadabra van the way that he's you know playing along like a goofball he's doing all the physicality of that character in such a way that is really um it's very strong performance to get playfulness and fear and fright from the same guy like just like that uh wonderful you know oh, yeah 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 he he's so good in the role and it's and it's almost like um so the the movie uh <laughs> leans heavily on the concept of like children versus adults uh children mm-hmm. being good adults being evil and of course the uh, the abuse angle um you got the the father beating Gwen with the belt and you have um, the grabber waiting for uh, the naughty boy Finney to come up the stairs to hit with the belt. And you have the two personas that you have the playful, whimsical child like version of the grabber. And then you have the father version of the grabber, which is the true villain, the killer, uh, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, 
And so, yeah, so he has to play both of these roles, and he has to do it without us as the audience getting to see his face. So he has to emote with his body and his voice. And, I mean, he, you know, he takes the top half of the mask off a few times. Um, and uh, I loved the twist of the mask uh, being a, kind of like a weakness as well um, at the end there. Right, because <laughs> it was once he was exposed by the end... Uh, yeah. where his eyes were it it really upset him yeah yeah well and and if you think back to the abduction he had his uh face painted gray right he didn't have a mask on but he had a gray face right. paint and he had that top hat and he lost his top and the hat sunglasses. when he glasses yeah he lost his top hat when he dropped the groceries and the first thing he says is like would you get, get would you hand me my hat <laughs> and if he like picks up his hat gives it back to him puts it on he's like okay now i can take you and throw you in the van um yeah yeah well i think it was <laughs> a, uh whether it was intentionally homage to to dark knight or not he says want to see a magic trick <laughs> yeah <laughs> which uh, is those, sort of just like the... a you know well, uh, also, um, Gwen had the dream of the black balloon already, and so Finney says, are those black balloons? And so, like, he knows he's going to get abducted one second before he gets abducted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, he says it, and he's like, "I those aren't a good sign as he gets closer. So it's like sort of like where you're going to be – a viewer can be like, what are you doing, you idiot? Fucking run! <laughs> you know, yeah. and so, like, but that's how, that's how these stories go. You know, the protagonist has to – uh, do something foolish uh, to get caught or be you know right. naive in some kind of way in order for their hero journey to right. be propelled forward right because he's he's picked on he's bullied and uh yeah, his, his is... only his only friend defends him uh physically and says you know you're gonna have to stand up for yourself one of these days and and he does he's he has to stand up for himself he goes through the hero's journey and he does stand up for himself um he yeah. fails he, and he's, probably it's like it's like perfect hero's journey too, because like he tries and yes. fails a few times too. Like it's yeah. literally exactly and the... all of that tension and frustration, the the hopes and then being dashed, uh, all of that going through. By the end, the culmination of that final scene with the grabber, uh, people cheered and clapped in the theater that I was in. Like, and I'm oh, not yeah. in, I'm not that person, but. It was very gratifying when, yeah. when things happen. People were fucking pumped because they yeah. got invested. I was like, yeah, this is going to be a hit. Yeah. People are going to really, this is going to resonate with uh, a large demographic. Oh, yeah. I love the the final phone call, too, um, where all the voices come on and, and you know, say they're, uh, you're fucking dead now. Um, peace right before he dies. Um, yeah, and that so a... th that's the other thing, too. It's not obvious at first and for me i didn't really think about it each character not giving a ton of information but then saying to do this thing that seems like completely unnecessary or un uh rewarding or not an unfruitful mission or task that doesn't ever get him out but they all add up to creating the situation or environment for him to succeed in his final test I love that element and it's yeah. woven in there so seamlessly and like it makes sense logically it's creative with a plot uh I love that aspect of it what yeah. how did you feel about all those elements adding up to oh, create uh, the traps and all that yeah no absolutely like the um I'm a fan obviously of Hill and King and and this 
was so just like well done so perfectly put together like it you know um horns uh comes to mind not necessarily the movie which was good uh, a good adaptation not a great adaptation a good adaptation but the book was was so well written and so like perfectly um you know planned out uh where yeah it all does it all just comes together but you don't really see it coming together until mm -hmm. until they want you to um and you're like, oh, okay, they did that, they did that, they did that. Like the five, it was the five phone calls, and I forgot what order it was in. If it was in reverse order, or if it was, it started with the first kid and it went to the last kid. Uh, I think technically, uh, the very first phone call. Oh, hmm. I think aside from, uh, yeah, it hopped. I think it hopped a bit. Oh, did it? Okay. It, uh, it, I, the very last phone call was Robin. Was the friend the the friend that taught him how to fight, or was yeah, it the, the, was it, it the bully? Gave him the, got him Not the, the, the well, was it the was it the gamer who play who was playing pinball? Was no, that, that wasn't the very last one. Right, it was, the, it was yeah, Robin. That, right, Robin so, showed him the phone. How yeah, to so, pack the phone with the right. Dirty so then it, so yeah, so then it went from the first kid who was abducted to the last kid who was abducted. So it went yeah. chronological order. Yeah, they called him in chronological order. Um, yeah, I I just I thought it was fantastic. It, yeah, the string, yeah. the cord that doesn't do anything, but it lets him get up to the grate that he then pulls down, which is like wasted. But then he puts it in the pit that he dug, and that's what gets him on the foot. Yeah, breaks, uh, yeah the, the 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 freezer to get the steak to get the dog. Like it, it was a neat, creative, fun little storytelling. You know, it was it was just a a good tight little package with a bow on it. By the time you got to the end, and you're like, that was that was fun. That was neat that yeah. they did that that way. Because, again, this is the paranormal element. And when you talk about you don't understand at first, this might be a gift. You're just kind of like you're hearing the voices. I love that you don't see the ghosts or he doesn't see the ghosts. He hears them through the phone. Right. But we get to visually see get, them yeah, going get through the, the back. Yeah. Um, it – like I love that, that that's how they handle it. And I also love that they handled Gwen's dream sequences as that sort of uh, – camcorder from the 70s like you know like how they shot x you know with the exactly. little ca hand camera with the reels uh had that grainy footage because a, a, another movie would just do some weird smoky or filters on the lens of showing like reds or purples or something weird like it's a dream and it's this looks like this you know uh not a lot of films do it intelligently and the way that they did this through video footage was great once she came into the scene with the uh with the guy at the pinball at the convenience yeah. store and she got in the cop car with him to experience that retelling of the story in her dream was fucking awesome yeah i was like i'm so creative and smart that she's like because you don't understand it's her dreams necessarily for a little while you think it's just footage that is also because she does wake up. So yeah. you understand it. But once she came into frame, I was like, oh, this is great. I love the way that they're doing it. Well, right. But then also um, he he carves the address into the kid's arm, yeah. which yeah. obviously he didn't do that when when In it actually life, right. happened. So right. that was that was almost like the ghost telling communicating giving, through to her to her through the through the dream. Uh, you this is where we are. You have to. Right, yeah, help, this yeah. is where it happens. This is where you're gonna die. Like, and yeah. I love that it was layered with what Finn was, ex Finny was experiencing, because yeah. he's doing those actions where he's kicking through the door, and yeah. it shows he's kicking through the door. Like, but he, and 
really cool creative uh weaving of those two experiential things um in a fair and decent amount of comic relief you know whether it's the 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 MacGuffin with the brother uh yeah. or gwen Gwen, when Gwen wakes vul- up, Gwen being vulgar. When she wakes up after not having a dream, and she gets down to her little uh, dollhouse prayer uh, spot, and she's talking like, to Jesus. Jesus, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my god! Like you know, it's coming, but it was still very rewarding. I love yeah. that part. I feel like yeah, that should be on the T-shirt also. Yeah, Jesus, what the fuck? Because I think a lot of people nowadays are saying, Jesus, Jesus what, what the, fuck? the fuck? I've been praying. Are you even there? Are you? Because <laughs> it doesn't seem like you are. I'm starting uh, to think that. Are you? I'm starting to think you're not real. Yeah. Uh, very um, entertaining and good comic relief with the somewhat heavy uh, subject matter of obviously child abduction and and murder. So. Yeah, I, I honestly like. I give it an eight. I think it's. I think this movie might be, you know, currently in the five slot um oh yeah yeah you know likely to get bumped but you know we're only six months in you know we're only halfway sure. through the year likely to get bumped but i think it's sitting in the five slot for me right now yeah i mean it was um it was fun it wasn't you know slow i like all the artistic decisions with how they told the story and so it's definitely rewatchable it's approachable yeah. for a broader audience uh and but the most important thing for me uh, as a horror fan of horror is that I just love to see that it is getting the attention that it's getting, that people are seeing it, that people are going back to the theater. A, you know, with past couple years of what we've been through, that they're going back to the theater, that they're seeing this horror film, you know, or horror adjacent, depending on how you want to categorize horror films. uh, And that people are responding to it. Well, that it's a unique new story that, was done relatively with a a, a, a a realistic budget, you know, and that is making this much money and people are raving about it. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 84% with critics and 90% audience score. Like it's a crowd pleaser. That's And uh, yeah, that's a great uh, I score. 100% agree. And yeah. that's the thing. It's, it's got, it has all the star power of like what makes a good, you know, quintessential horror. Like the, the villain is memorable and interesting and Ethan Hawke kills it. The kids are fun and entertaining, but serious when they need to be serious. And there's the journey, there's the the tension throughout the whole film and then the release of that tension. Like it's almost like a tearjerker by the end because of like the the reunion that they have. You're it's heartwarming. Yeah. And the homages, I did you notice the uh the it homage also? No, I did. oh with the raincoat yeah, yeah, Georgie. Yeah, yeah the raincoat yeah, with the yeah. the boots and everything. It was it was literally, yeah. and it was raining. It was the bike. It was the yeah. coat. The yep. boots. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of uh, it was funny. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think um, I think this one's also going on the shelf. I'm definitely buying this one. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, what a yeah. great way to end the season. Yeah, oh, two man. really entertaining movies for two different audiences. But that's what's yeah. I, you know, these movies couldn't have been more different. Man. I know, like <laughs> I, I wish that there were more people. It's it doesn't matter. It would be cool if there were more people in my life that like you and like I have with you that could enjoy and appreciate these two disparate movies. You know, right, right. 
and acknowledge and understand and appreciate them for what they are right. and be able to converse about them because uh yeah it's what it's all about yeah. it's just it's fun you know it's like it's hard to find people that align you know yeah i would say that yeah most people i know would prefer the black phone but you know there's a there's a handful of people who who would like crimes <laughs> <laughs> did you get to watch it with anastasia uh no i didn't i went uh, by myself yeah. yeah yeah i watched it by myself too i know that my wife would not be a fan of crimes she would not. Oh, I watched, I watched crimes with Anastasia. I watched crimes with Anastasia. Oh, okay. What does she yeah, think yeah. about crimes? <laughs> um, she. Oof. Uh, wait, wait, hold on. I think she loved it. Oh, she did love it. Okay. She, okay. She did great. love it. Yes. She. Yeah. Was talking about the plastic. Uh, in. I mean, she's. She thought. Oh it was, yeah, 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 yeah. She thought it was one of the best environmental. Uh, yes. films uh you know of of forever like the, yeah. the environmental message was was bigger than than anything else in that in that we are destroying our planet and if we do we're going to evolve into these plastic eating monsters yeah you know, i the, agree the, the, and that's the... that's <laughs> that opening shot too where it shows the kid like the child is um eating, Rucker, the, he's eating di- the garbage he's, well can? yeah he is he is <laughs> right that happens right after but the before then he's just at the coast digging in the sand for shit and you see the tanker that's just on its side and it's oh, like right yeah this is what's happened to the world the world is fucked like yeah. it, and it's just like it's this childhood innocence exploring the world and we've destroyed it yeah. we've already destroyed it it's right. in the background he's not enjoying the fucking ocean view there's a goddamn tanker upended yeah. right there. Like, and so yeah, the, the environmental aspect of it, I, I thought that she would hone in on that and, and enjoy it too. Yeah. It's, it is a cool, um, it really, you could make an argument. That's what it's all about. There's so much, but if that's the other thing, if you just want to enjoy it at that level, enjoy it at that level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's so interpretive. It's literally like whatever you think this movie is about is what it's about. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, yeah, what good closeout episode with these yeah. two films. Yeah, excellent episode. Great, uh, great, two great movies, the end of season one. Um, thank you guys so much uh, for being with us for 26 episodes. We will be back in August. Yes. We will be back. Do not, uh, do not disappear on us uh, for the podcast for The Recently Deceased. I'm Nate Roberts. And I'm Rodney Godek. Take care. And we'll see you next month.